Hi ladies, it's me, Kimberly Indibizu, aka Slim Kim, and this is The Deep End, a new series from Rich Little Broke Girls, the podcast and collective for aspiring housewives and CEOs. Before we get started, I'd like to announce that we've reached a massive milestone with just under 250,000 downloads. I mean, are you kidding me? I'd like to give the biggest shout out to my rich little broke girls for sticking by me through the ups and the downs and the rounds and the rounds. I love you all so deeply, you don't even know. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate this podcast, and leave us a five-star review with a compliment. And as you know, it doesn't have to be true, but it has to be in writing. Without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to The Deep End, a brand new and very, very special series, one that dives deep into the essence of fearless women. The Deep End is where we wade into the waters of introspection, curiosity, and the untold stories that make us who we are. Consider this a heart-to-heart with inspiring women. This isn't your typical deep dive. It's more like a cozy one-hour session with an unlicensed therapist, exploring the deep, meaningful questions that help us better understand our lives. The goal is to inspire, unpack, and remind you that no matter where you come from or where you choose to go, we're all merely figuring it out. So settle in, grab a matcha, and let's dive deep into this intimate conversation together. We're here to discover the stories that make our guests who they are, one question at a time. Stay with us. You're going to want to listen to this one. Our first leading lady to dive into the deep end is Estee Lalonde. Estee launched her career on YouTube more than 12 years ago, long before it was the it thing to do. And since then, she has garnered an audience of over a million subscribers on YouTube and nearly 700,000 followers on Instagram just by being her most authentic self. Estee got her start after moving to the UK from Canada. And after years dedicated to building her online presence, Estee founded Mirror Water, a body care brand focused on rituals for relaxation. Like many of us, Estee shares in the experience of not-so-healthy relationships. But over the years, she has wisely learned to leave that unfulfilling cycle in the past. These days, she intentionally cultivates her most secure relationship with her now partner and soon-to-be husband. She doesn't shy away from asking for what she wants, both in romantic and platonic relationships, and will employ the power of the ultimatum when absolutely necessary. Estee aims to build space for people that value vulnerability and introspection. Let's welcome her to the show. Welcome to the deep end with Estee Lalonde. Consider this a one hour session with an unlicensed therapist. Let's do it. I need therapy. So <laughs> don't we all? Perfect timing. I feel like we employ our friends to be our therapists these days and we go on and on and on. And I'm like, okay, you go first and then I'll go. So this is kind of like that. Yeah. My best friend and I always say it's like the blind leading the blind. Neither of us have any clue what we're doing, but we're all therapizing each other. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I know they say that it is powerful. It's powerful to have deep and meaningful conversations with your friends, again, because they really, truly understand you. And while I don't know, maybe you take their advice, maybe they don't, but at least it gives you a space to air your grievances and your challenges and they're listening to you. As long as they're listening to you and you're able to get it out, I feel like it's so cathartic. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to live without my best friends and mostly my mom. And I just, you're right. Just even 
talking about things, saying it out loud rather than just internalizing and letting it become so much bigger than maybe it needs to. It's yeah, I'm on the phone 24 seven with my best friends. Oh my God. So am I, I have three best friends and I just go between the three of them the other day, actually. So I'm a writer and I will journal. It's such a great way for me to understand how I'm feeling. And I really only go to my journal when I'm in like a tough time. Recently I was going through a hard time and I was like, Kim, why don't you podcast it? Like, why don't you record it, do a voice memo? So I opened up my laptop, I opened up GarageBand, and I just started talking through my feelings. And like, I started crying and I was like, this isn't ever gonna go anywhere. I had like this weight of anxiety on my chest. And when I was finished, I felt so much lighter and I was able to go to bed because I couldn't sleep because it was on my mind. So I guess in a way, talking through things is super powerful, whether you're talking with a friend or talking to your laptop and your mic. (laughs) Saying it out loud is so important. I totally agree. Before we dive into the deep end, what do you want us to understand about who you are and where you come from? Oh gosh, let me think. I think maybe sometimes people don't know how sensitive I really am. I'm a Leo. Let's just get that right on the table. So I'm, you know, outwardly very bubbly. I can be, I mean, charismatic. You know, I could go on and on and on about all the amazing things I am because I'm a Leo, but actually I'm very sensitive deep down. I'm very cautious. I have a lot of trouble trusting people. Um, And I think sometimes people maybe don't see that side of me. I'm really caring and empathetic and I feel things quite deeply. So I guess I would want people to know that. And even though I have a sense of humor and I'm always joking around and nothing's a big deal, Actually, a lot of times things do affect me. Um, And what do I want people to know about like my upbringing? I guess just I had a pretty average normal upbringing. I've been lucky enough to be exposed to so many amazing things as an adult, but I really do come from a pretty average normal life as a child. Um, And to be honest, I always dreamt of living a life like I am now, but I don't think I ever really thought I would get there. And I think I struggle a lot with not imposter syndrome. I don't, wouldn't say I have that, but I think, um, I definitely sometimes feel like I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. I'm like struggling with that sometimes, but I go up and down. I am a hot mess. I definitely do not have my life together. People think that I have my life together. I don't have my life together. I am seriously always like trying to catch up with myself. I hear you. I am the most sensitive person ever, and I don't know where we get it from. And I feel like maybe being sensitive is also why perhaps you feel like, am I doing enough? Because, oh my God, I feel the exact same way, like no matter if I achieve something that I've always wanted to do right after I'm like, okay, well, what's next? Or like I reach a high and then I hit a really, really, really deep low. Yeah. Um, But tell us a little bit about your journey to where you are now and what you're most proud of. Like 
oh my God, I cannot believe I'm doing this and how that makes you feel? I guess the main thing would be the fact that I am Canadian. I grew up in Canada, but I live in London, in England. So I'm British now. And sometimes I can't even wrap my brain around how that even happened. Like, how am I just living in England? That's so weird, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I moved to England when I was 19. I'm 33 now. And I honestly feel like it has just been the biggest whirlwind since the minute I touched down in England that very first time to now, I feel like my life has just not stopped. I almost feel like I didn't enjoy the ride as much as maybe I should have because now I'm kind of coming up for air for the first time in my mid-30s. And I'm thinking about my upbringing a lot. I'm thinking about having kids of my own and I'm thinking about how I want to raise them and what's important to me. And so I've been looking back and reflecting a lot on my childhood and my family and I really miss them. And it's something that I haven't really felt that much in my 20s because I'm so busy and I'm not really paying attention to that sort of thing. So that's probably the biggest kind of moment in my life. It completely changed my life to move to the UK because now I feel like so much of my life is in England, but my roots are in Canada. And where do I belong? Um, Because I don't really feel like I belong in Canada, but equally when I'm in England, I definitely don't feel 100% British either. So that's kind of a struggle, especially as I've kind of moved into the next phase of my life. I just got engaged to a British man. And, you know, how did this happen? One second ago, I was 19. And I was just gonna try it out in England. And now I'm getting married. And, you know, it's kind of wild. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the engagement. Thank you. You're definitely entering such a settling time in your life where it's okay, it's time to settle your roots or or settle the seeds, right? And start to build. Um, And I suppose that influences those questions about, let me think about my roots and like, where do I actually belong? I think about it often when I consider what I want from a partner and my family is in Houston. I'm in New York and I've always wanted to be here. And I think about, okay, so if I meet someone you know, they would have to be from New York or they have to be wherever I want to kind of ground my family because, you know, they say it takes a village. And so I wonder if you're considering those things like, you know, are you looking to be around your family and to raise your children around your family? Because I feel like those are very important questions that we start to ask ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And especially being so busy myself, just with my work, um, you know, it would be amazing to have my mom to lean on like, mom, can you just watch the babies while I go do this thing? Um, But that's just not something that's possible here. And I have obviously great friends here, but I'm not going to, it's not the same as when it's your blood family or your family. um, Because I don't know, I just don't feel like I could really call my friends and be like, can you watch my kid today? And then I think, okay, well, I'm gonna have to hire someone. Do I really want to get into that. Um, and obviously my fiance is from here. So all of his family is here. Um, and he has a sister, she has a baby and she's pregnant again. And, you know, he wants to be here for that, but my brother is in Canada. He's, um, married and eventually they're going to have kids. I would love my kids to know his kids. And so we're both sort of torn. Um, 
but I guess, you know, it was my choice to move here and we met here. So it's, it's really, really difficult. You can't have it all, um, especially when two people are from different places. Um, but all of this being said, I don't even necessarily know if I want to move home to Canada. I think I would be absolutely miserable if I moved back to my hometown. And it's all a really great theory um, to be close to my family. But I think I would miss a lot of the other things which attract me about the city in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more of an internal struggle that I just need to make peace with and, you know, accept that maybe my children's upbringing is going to be quite different from mine. And they're probably not going to be playing in the park across the road because I live in London and like, that's not going to happen here. Um, So I think it's just an interesting time for me to just try not to stress too much about the future but also be comfortable in the choices I'm making at the same time. Yeah. You're like, this is where I am and we're just going to move forward and we're going to do the damn thing yep. without overthinking everything. Right. Trying to. Yeah. I know it's hard. It's easier said than done. So similar to you, uh, my mother is my rock. She's my North star and my biggest supporter. I want you to tell us a little bit about your relationship with your mother and how she's influenced maybe some of your beliefs as well as the woman that you are today. Like you said, she's the most important person in my life and I just have so much respect for her. And I'm sure you feel the same as you get older, you just respect your mom so much more if you have a good relationship with them. I think just thinking back on all the things that she did for myself and my brother, you know, you don't really understand it when you're a kid, but when you grow up and you see the sacrifices and I don't know how she did it because I'm so tired and she really always, always put us first. Um, I don't have a relationship with my dad anymore. And I think just looking back on how she basically was able to be two parents for us. um, It's pretty incredible. And she still managed to somehow have a smile on her face while doing it. Um, She's again, my biggest supporter. So, you know, there's nothing like having someone in your life who's just always going to support you. And you know, but that doesn't mean she's always telling me what I want to hear. Exactly. You know, But, you know, just to have that person who you feel like really gets you. And I feel like I really get her. It's the best friendship I've ever had. And we weren't always friends, obviously, when I was younger. She was definitely my mother. And we fought when I was a 13-year-old little terror. So mean. But now we're friends. And now I'm just like, truly, and I'm not just saying this, if I could be half the mother she was, I'm... I would feel so happy with that. Oh, I love that. And I feel like, yeah, like you said, we realize those things later in life. Like when we're growing up, we're like, oh, my mom is so annoying. She keeps telling me to make my bed. I don't know why. And then like you're, you know, 25 and you're like, oh, damn, my apartment's a mess. I should probably (laughs) know how to make my bed, you know? I know. And I just think back, my brother and I used to just like antagonize her. We used to go to the grocery store and like ram the cart into her heels. And my mom would say, if you do it one more time, and of course we would do it one more time, you know, things like that where it's like, 
the, the day she probably had waking up at six, going to work, coming home to us, cooking for us, making sure the house was clean, making sure homework was done. We're ramming the shopping trolley into her ankles. Like, oh my God, that's insane to think back on. Um, but, you know. You coin yourself a perpetually exhausted, highly ambitious woman. I mean, that's yeah. such duality. How do you reconcile the two? Yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot, actually. The duality in my personality is something that I'm really interested in. And I think everybody has this contradictory behavior within themselves. I really love that because I have depression, so I could be labeled as depressed. So, you know, my whole personality could revolve around that. But actually, I have depression and I'm successful. And I think, you know, we can't just kind of lump someone into a box because of one element of their personality. And I think embracing those dualities and those differences is really important because if you start labeling yourself as one thing, even if it's a positive thing, so you could be like, I'm a party animal, you know, then you're going to have this like pressure to always be on and always be out and always be the social. So I think for me, I'm really like interested in talking about how you can be more than one thing and you don't just have to be extroverted and you don't just have to be introverted, but sometimes you're this and sometimes you're that. Like sometimes I feel super strong and like I could take on the world. And other times I actually feel like, no, I'm really soft and I feel weak and I need, you know, So I think the more we embrace those things, the more we can sort of achieve a sense of maybe balance within ourselves Mm -hmm. because you don't feel like you're swaying too far one way or the other and always trying to get back to the center. So I always try to look at myself as like one entity and I'm never like too far one way or too far the other. It's just some a a feeling I'm experiencing. Yeah. That makes sense. No, it makes sense. I feel like, you know, the film industry perpetuates this idea of dealing with depression, right? It's like locking yourself in a dark room and being, you know, not taking a shower for days and being swarmed in a puddle of tears. And that's what we think of as depression when, you know, you say that you experience highly functioning depression, right? Like you're able to take on the world some days and other days you're just like, I just need to be with me. What do you think influences your ability to have the strength to take on the world. Because I feel like for me, I kind of am the same and I've been dealing with it a lot. You know, I go through periods where I am just like not me. And that's how I feel. I feel very much like I am not Kim. I'm such an optimistic, uppity person and I've labeled myself as such. So when I'm not showing up as such, I'm like, well, that's just not me. So I don't know. And I have no clue how to get back to me. But like, I am the girl that like takes on everything. And I'm just like, attack, attack, attack. So when you are going through that duality, right? Maybe you're at a low. How do you get yourself back up to a high? Yeah, well, perfect example is today. I actually feel really low today. But I knew I was doing this podcast with you and we spoke earlier and you were, you lifted my mood basically. So I was like, okay, I am doing the podcast. I'm not canceling the podcast. I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> so I already told myself that. Um, I put my hair in a little slicked bun. I put some blush on. I put some lip gloss on. And here we are. I think 
sometimes doing that though is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm always trying to get myself back to like a super positive place because like you, I'm like that a lot of the time. And especially during the week, I'm super positive. We can do anything like no problem too big or too small. Um, but I find on the weekends, for instance, I definitely like have a lot less energy um, just because I use so much energy during the week. But it is really hard to find that like that hustle within when you are just like running on gas and air. Mm-hmm. Um, I really try to prioritize the things that are important to me. So I knew I wanted to do this podcast. I was actually supposed to meet a friend for dinner tonight. I just don't have it in me. I had to cancel. I said, look, I love you, but I'm just not feeling myself tonight. Like, is it okay? And it's annoying. I hate being flaky. I honestly do hate it. But at the same time, I have to prioritize myself. And I pretty much set that those expectations with everyone around me that there's a pretty high chance I'm going to probably not be up for that, but let's just see on the day. Mm-hmm. And honestly, everybody understands that. And I think people kind of respect the honesty rather than being like, oh, my aunt's dog died. Can't make it to dinner tonight. I just try to be really honest with my friends. And then usually, and this is so weird, once I say to my friends, like, oh, I'm just feeling really low. I'm not up for it. If they say like, okay, I totally get that. Usually I actually start to feel better. I don't know why. And I'm like, you know what? I actually feel fine. Now that I've been honest with you about how I'm feeling, I I don't need to kind of show up as something I'm not Mm -hmm. tonight. And I think that has taken me so much time to just learn that I don't always have to put on a show. Um, oh my even though it's God. hard. Yes. Putting on yeah. a show. I can resonate with that so deeply. I do feel like sometimes it's like, what am I, a clown? Like, am I tap dancing Literally. for everyone? Like I got to show up and show out and be ah, like happy all the time. And it's like, I'm just not that person all the time. And I think that's okay. And similar to you, I am so flaky and I'm like, I'm like, I've been working through some of my challenges and wanting to cancel on people is a really like, that is an intrinsic like feeling. I'm like, I don't feel like going today. And it's to a point where it's like, I don't want to make plans until, you know, an hour before, because what if I don't feel like it? Same. That is exactly how I am. I miss just like spontaneous plans like what are you up to today but instead we have things booked in our calendars like literally six weeks ahead of time it's like I don't know if I'm gonna want to go see a freaking movie with you in three weeks time I have no idea and I feel exactly the same and actually I'm gonna stop making plans but the thing is you stop making plans you will never see anyone yeah so I, I can't figure out out what to do there but I completely agree wholeheartedly and also I think it's so exhausting maintaining so many online friendships I don't know if you feel the same but it's like I said to my fiance he does not have Instagram he doesn't have social media of any kind and he doesn't understand that I like it's not like oh I have so many friends it's like I catch up and talk to about three billion people a week Mm -hmm. like this one's had a baby and I've never met this person but I want to know how her new apartment is and you know it's like 
all of these um, people in your life that you genuinely do care about and you're interested in, but it's a lot of admin Mm -hmm. to keep up with, Oh, this one just went on a holiday. I wonder if they had fun. Like, you know, it's, it's a lot. And I think before social media, we just kind of had our circle, you know, you had your friends and you caught up with them when it was right, the right time to do that. Whereas now it's like in my DMs, I know there's like 50 people that I haven't caught up with. I'm like, oh God, I haven't seen her post in like three weeks. How is she? I've got to check up on this because if I see them at an event, it's going to be awkward if I don't know that she just bought a new house. Mm -hmm. And that was a rampage, but... I agree with you. Also, my DMs give me anxiety. My DMs and my text messages give me anxiety because there's always an ask in them. And I also feel like back to the point of feeling like, I'm not doing enough. Like, am I doing enough? Am I not doing enough? I feel like I see people on the internet and they're constantly catching up with people, with this person and with that person. And, oh, wow, like we all met at the same time, but their relationship is so much further because they keep catching up. And I just don't think I have it in me. I have my core group of friends and those are the people that I care about. Those are the people that I talk to constantly. I rotate through them throughout a given day. Um, And it is so hard to maintain so many relationships. But on the flip side, they say the value of your life is in the value of your relationships. And, you know, you have to network and you have to build these strong relationships. And I'm like, I can't do everything. Am I not meant to be successful because I don't want to hang out with everyone all the time? Yes, I am with you. And if you don't hang out with them, I don't know. I don't know what would happen. Is the world going to end? Probably not. But like you said, you kind of, um, you're not keeping up with everyone else. Yes. And a lot of the relationships. You have to be in the mix. mix. You need the invite. You need to be like, you have to be in the mix. And that's a part of what we do is staying in the mix and staying relevant. We live in these big cities. Things move so quickly. And a part of moving with those things is keeping up with the people that are moving. But it's so hard. Yeah, it is, especially when you have a job in the creative field. Um, My fiance has like a corporate job and I can tell you right now, he's not getting brunch with any of them on the weekends and he's not catching up for drinks with them after work. Maybe he might go for lunch with like the people in his office, but it's not how it is maybe with us where it's like, there are not enough brunches in the year, honey. And also I'm expected to do my job, do a good job, always have my hair done, always have my nails done, always look well rested. Like it is really tiring stuff. Mm -hmm. I recently got my brows done, my lashes done, but for probably like three weeks I didn't. And I was like, oh, I can't do anything because I don't have my lashes done and I need to, you know what I mean? It's like we... It's so high maintenance. I feel I feel like and I don't think people talk about it enough, but choosing to be a personality, right? And to to put yourself forward, right, and your life forward, you have to show up. And it's kind of a show in a sense, right? Because there are some days that I don't want to do my hair. I don't want to get my lashes done. I don't, I want my brows to grow out. Like I don't want to put makeup on her. I ran out of foundation and I don't want to go pay a hundred dollars for a new bottle of foundation. So I don't want to wear foundation for the next two weeks, you know, but 
because of the space that we're in, you have to be on it all the time. And that is exhausting. Yeah. I mean, I was late today because I was getting my nails done. See, So I completely relate. And I know maybe people listening would be like, well, then just don't do it. It'd be fine. Well, I'll tell you this. Once I didn't get my eyebrows done for a while and every single comment was about my eyebrows. Not that I care, but I'm just saying people notice these Mm -hmm. things. And it's like when you start, quote unquote, letting yourself go, the audience is on it. Paying attention. It's just a lot of pressure. But equally, I enjoy these things. I like having my hair done, my nails done, and and exactly. But I think exactly what you said, it's, it's about the feeling like you always have to. It's really... I mean, like this is the first world problem, but it's a, it's a thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of us deal with, um, and my friends who aren't in this industry, she was like, um, Oh, I'm going to get my hair done. I'm so looking forward to it. Da-da-da. I'm like, I don't look forward to getting my hair done. That is another thing in my to-do list. Like mm-hmm. it's not fun for me. It's not like a little thing I get to enjoy. It's like something that I'm sitting on my laptop working the whole time so I can get my hair done and spend four or five hours getting my hair done on a mm-hmm. weekday, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I hear you a thousand percent. Talk to me a little bit about being a high achiever. You're a successful woman and I want to understand some of your habits and how you were able to build the career that you now have. Well, I truly love working. I think that's the first thing I should say. I literally love it. I am happiest when I'm working. Well, that's not true. I'm happiest when I'm, you know, with my dog and stuff like that. But for my own personal fulfillment in that arena, I love working. I have always just loved it. Even since I was a teenager, I had a part-time job after school every single day. I worked on the weekends. Like I've always just liked working. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, because it's not about the money either. I was talking to someone about that today. It's not about the money for me. I just like being busy. I think it probably keeps my mind off what's really going on internally and that I don't want to listen to. Um, but I just enjoy it. And I like trying to build something. I like seeing if I can do something. And um, I wouldn't say I have the habits of like a typical um, high achiever. I listen to podcasts where it's like, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I go to the gym and then I have my green smoothie and then I stretch and then I gratitude journal. It's like, I'm not doing any of that. So we'll just say that right away. I wake up around 6.45. I lay in bed for 15 minutes. I wake I have my cup of tea. I take my dog outside. I shower. I'm usually at my desk at eight. So it's maybe a little earlier than some people, but that's what I like to do. Um, That's how I work. I do not work past six if I can help it. It doesn't work for me. Um, And other things that help me work are having fun at work. Um, I like to have fun at work. I don't like my work to feel like a stressful situation. I enjoy laughing at work. I enjoy problem solving as a team and making it fun. I try not to stress too much while I'm at work. And my Instagram bio, I call myself a chillpreneur um, because I you know, it's it's not the end of the world if that body oil doesn't get to that retailer on time. But mm-hmm. obviously it matters. But, you know, I just try to keep things into perspective a little bit uh, when it comes to work. And I think that's probably why I enjoy it so much. So that's why I'm able to kind of keep doing it. 
Tell me a little bit about balance, work, work balance, right? Not only do you have Mira Water, but you also have your YouTube channel and you have your Instagram. And so it's like, how do you find the balance between those two? I don't think I have, to be honest. Um, when I launched Mirror Water, that was about a year and a half ago. I started working on the brand about probably three years ago. But really, since we launched the brand, that's when my time has really been focused on that. Um, I always thought, I'll split my time 50-50, like no big deal. That'll be, that'll be cool. Um, that's not really how it's worked out. I think launching Mirror Water has been the first of all, the best thing I've ever done, the hardest thing I've ever done, and the most time-consuming thing I've ever done in my life. Um, I eat, breathe, sleep, mirror water. That is my passion. That is my life savings, <laughs> like literally though. Um, it's just what I'm really focused on right now. So I think I probably spend about, well, I'm, I have a team of six now. So working on the brand. So I am on that every single day. You can't just kind of let your team like, you know, yeah. wonder where you are. I'm very involved. So every single day I'm online working with that for at least 85% of the day, mm -hmm. like every day. Um, and then my YouTube stuff. I mean, honestly, I've been doing it for so long. It just kind of, it comes so naturally that it, it's not that time consuming, but I equally, like, I don't even want to say this, but I don't put a lot of effort into it right now because I just don't have the time. Like, I would love to be doing TikToks and like create having time to do that. But I think in order to do that, you need to be having filming days. And like, I'm talking like actual days where you are filming. I don't have a day in my week where I can just dedicate to filming TikToks. Um, so I kind of try to do things as and when, as I'm going, I'll try to like squeeze in a TikTok here and there. Um, I've also got my jewelry collaboration with Daisy. So I have like, beautiful jewelry collections, you know, that requires some work, you know, mm -hmm. I have to be on set for that sometimes and promote my pieces. It's, it is a lot. And at the same time, you know, my platform isn't just to promote everything I do. Yeah. So it's really hard to strike the balance between this is this cool place I went for lunch, you guys should check it out. And oh, this is my body oil, you should all try it because this is my business and I'm trying to grow it. So it's just like a constant battle of trying to make things happen. Um, but I actually don't believe in balance. I don't think I've ever been balanced and I don't think I'll ever get there. Maybe when I'm retired. <laughs> right. But then you'll be like, I'm bored. What can I do now? I know. So as you were building your YouTube platform, which is massively successful, what were some of your priorities that you feel like helped you get there? You were like, I'm going to prioritize maybe consistency, or I'm going to prioritize authenticity, or I'm going to prioritize perfecting and the craft of being a vlogger, storytelling. What were some of those key priorities that helped you build your audience? It's funny looking back on the early days when I started my YouTube channel because I wasn't really sitting around strategizing, you know, like I am now with my brand. You know, we have like actual strategy meetings. At the time with my YouTube channel, it was literally just something I did because I enjoyed it and I didn't really think it would ever become my job. So I just kind of did it. I think consistency was definitely very key. I I, there was a time when I would do three YouTube videos a week. Um, 
which is a lot. I mean, that was, that was, whoo, that was crazy that I will do things like Vlogtober where I would do a vlog every single day in October. That was a lot too. Um, but I definitely always had two videos a week or, you know, now I do one video a week even still, which I love. And it is actually my passion. I love vlogging for some reason. I think that's because how I started. Um, but I just like sharing my life and going back to what we were discussing in the beginning of this podcast, which was verbalizing things. For me, vlogging is that thing that I do. So sometimes if I'm vlogging, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out. Like this thing's happened. It just helps me. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's just in the moment, but it just helps me. And um, my audience know me very well. I mean, sometimes I try to ignore the fact that they actually know me so well. It's um, weird, you know, when people say, I've been watching you for 10 years, 11 years. You know, they've seen a lot. I am the same person, but a different person. And they know when something's good in my life, when something's bad in my life, when I'm stressed, when I'm not stressed, they can really tell. I think obviously authenticity is very, very key. First of all, I don't think anyone would be able to vlog long term unless they were being their authentic self, just because it is quite energy zapping to Mm -hmm. put yourself out there online for long periods of time. So authenticity and um, I think vulnerability is something I really prioritized and still prioritize um, just because even sharing about my mental health in the early days, no one was really doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, no one even really knew that much about anxiety, you know, 10, 12 years ago. So people weren't really talking about it. And to this day, people still say that my videos help them with their anxiety and just help them accept maybe that that's something that they experience. So I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. Um, but I would say authenticity, vulnerability, consistency. Yeah, all of those things. I love it. I love it. Well, congratulations because you've been crushing it for a very long time. And I know that is so oh my hard gosh. to like keep on <laughs> keeping on. Um, and now you have a new baby that you're it's building. Funny. So. Yeah. It's funny that you say that though, because I feel like I'm slacking. I feel like I've completely like lost my edge and I'm like, not doing enough. And like, I, I should be on TikTok. Why don't I just make the time for that? And you know, it's like all of these negative thoughts in my head of I could be doing more. Um, but at some point, you know, you also have to have a life offline. I struggle with that because I like working so much. I'm not a workaholic by any means. I'm like when I go out with my friends and stuff, I don't post about that most of the time. But I would low-key love to spend the weekend at home filming and doing my skincare routines and because mm-hmm. I enjoy it so much mm-hmm. but I I even have to tell myself look like go to Pilates with your friends and just be a normal person and don't film it <laughs> yeah no I hear you I feel back to this whole notion of not doing enough and like with TikTok and all of these platforms and it's like try this no do that or go this way go that way so much noise. And I feel like for me, I focus on, okay, these are my priorities right now. 
You know, like if my priorities are the relationships in my life, then that is what I'm going to prioritize. If my priorities are trying to find some form of balance or routine in my life, then that's what I'm going to prioritize. If my priorities are TikTok and putting myself out there more, then that is what I'm going to do. But it's a list of priorities. And if it's not at the top, then it doesn't get my full attention. Um, And I feel like that's what makes me feel a little bit better about choosing my top priority because I can only focus on one thing at a time, right? Like you can't do a million things at the same time successfully. So I feel like that's how I kind of work through this idea of, well, I'm not doing enough. Well, you're building a brand. Like that is what you're doing and that is your priority. And that's number one. So when you get to a point where it's in a space and you're like, you know what? I can TikTok or I can on the weekends do my skincare routine or I want to, you know, then that becomes your next priority, but we can't do everything at the same time. Yeah. I actually really needed to hear that. Um, And it's true. You can't do everything well. And I think just accepting that number one, because I'm like, oh yes, I can, but you can, you can't do it in a healthy way anyways. And I think exactly with the prioritizing and stuff, just checking in with yourself, you know, what are my priorities right now? I think I need to have that little check-in with myself maybe after this podcast. Um, Because sometimes if you don't know, if you haven't told yourself what your priorities are, then of course you're going to want to try to do everything Mm -hmm. all at once. So I need a little check-in, a little self-check-in. And you'll get (laughs) distracted and you'll be like, oh, let me do that. Oh, let me, then nothing gets past the finish line, right? Because you're doing a million things. So it's just a lot and we got to get a little focused. Agreed. I've been contemplating what romantic love looks like to me. However, I haven't exactly like put pen to paper, so I'm still undecided. My question to you is, what does love look like to you? Well, right now at the current stage in my life, I think love for me looks like true partnership. Before I got engaged, I was really looking for someone who could be my partner and help me achieve the things that I want to achieve and I could help them achieve the things that they want to achieve. And it's a lot different from say the love when you're like 27 and you're just like corny and want to have a hot time, which don't get me wrong, very fun. But for me, I was just looking for something that obviously had an element of that but was also going to be a good father, um, a good partner to, you know, go get the groceries when I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, help me write an email if I don't know what to say and just have someone in my corner, someone really caring. And it's definitely a different type of um, way to go into a relationship because you're not just looking at that like initial hit of fiery juiciness. Yeah. Um, Or you're like, if it's not a spark, I'm moving on. You know, it's like that instant gratification. You want it to be super fiery. You're thinking more long term. Like I'm looking at my future with this person and this is truly going to be a partnership. I've really never done that before. And I, I don't even know how I got here because I love the passion. I love the fun. I love instant gratification. And I love my freedom. So um, I looked at my priorities. And for me, one of my priorities was I really want kids. And I really, really want kids. I want kids tomorrow if I could, but I'm a little busy. Um, 
so once I realized, okay, this is a priority for me, then I started looking for someone that would maybe help me get to that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, luckily I met someone and I'm not going to say it was an instant, you know, this is going to be the person for me. It wasn't even necessarily that instant, oh my God, I want to rip your clothes off. It was really like a friendship and we slowly sort of got to know each other. And I really think that was the key for this particular relationship I'm in now was slowly getting to know each other. And it's a little boring, you know, it's not like the exciting way to start a relationship, but it's the healthiest relationship I've probably ever been in. Mm -hmm. Like, and in a way, sometimes healthy relationships can feel a little boring because it's like, there's no drama. Where's the drama? I'm like, always like, when I first started dating him, I used to like, do things just to like, get a rise out of him to see if he would like react because I was like looking for drama because I'm so was so used to that. And um, I've kind of like got to this stage of like, settling into the comfort of a drama free relationship and I don't want to say it's drama free in the sense of like you know we don't fight because this man made the biggest mess in my kitchen this morning and I was like if you don't clean this up like I don't even know what to I'm tell gonna you lose you're it. out of here <laughs> yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna say this nicely but I'm gonna lose it because he's he's super messy um so there, it's you know there's obviously still drama but it's like different types of drama it's like easy drama it's not kind of like you went out to the club, didn't call me until five o'clock in the morning. And I know you were probably talking, you know, nothing that kind of drama anymore in my life. And honestly, it's really nice. It's giving me space to show up at work the way that I need to. And um, that's pretty invaluable for me at this time in my life. I don't really want to have my brain space taken up by things that don't matter, you know? And it took a while for us to get to this stage, but I feel like now, um, and you know, for quite a while now, it's just, it just makes sense. Kind of. It's cute. It is cute. It sounds healthy. It sounds healthy and boring the way it should be. Okay. Because toxic relationships, you're always on edge. You're, it's like you're anxious, so much anxiety, but like you think it's exciting because it's kind of dangerous. Like, yeah, it's exciting to like ride on the back of a motorcycle without a helmet on, but the risk of that is so high. Like, what's the reward of that? Um, and I feel like that's yeah. why we're so, or not all of us, but a handful of the girls listening can resonate with this idea of like, yeah, like I want a little spice, but like, is that really going to get you to the healthy relationship? And also like, you have things you want to accomplish. You want to raise a family. You want to have a very successful business. Can you have a toxic relationship and have a happy family, a successful business? Can you be happy? You know what I mean? It just, I don't think they coexist. It's so hard though, because such a big part of me is even still like, ooh, but sometimes you do miss that crazy side of things, but you just have to learn to get that elsewhere. And for me, I get that, you know, adrenaline rush and that drama in my work a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. um, because there's so much at stake for me there Mm -hmm. that, um, that's sort of where that part of my personality can kind of have its thing and do that over there and then when I come home it's just like he's made us a lovely dinner and we 
are just talking about boring things, you know, like it's, it's a complete shift in, um, the way I've ever lived before, um, in my later relationships, I would Mm -hmm. say it's, um, it's an adjustment for sure. But like I said, I'm leaning in. You have to, (laughs) I feel like you have to otherwise, I mean, my mom always says, well, if you keep doing the same thing, how do you expect different results? Like if you keep going for the bad boy and the toxic and the, like, what are you going to gain from that? Like you have bigger and better goals than to be excited by a man that, you know, maybe has a wandering eye or it, you know, just keeps you on edge all the time. Like that is so, it's not going to get you anywhere, but in a pile of tears in a dark room, like on the films. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Um, I think after you've experienced, you know, the toxic relationships and Lord knows I've had my fair share, that actually becomes quite boring because it's the same cycle. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's like a fun cycle, but it, after you do it a few times, like, okay, I see how this is going to end up. Okay. Let me try it again. Nope. Ended up exactly the same. Okay. Let me try it again. Nope. Ended the same. So actually that becomes the boring thing. And I think that's how I knew I was ready for something a little different where maybe the day to day is a little more dry, Mm -hmm. but um, we're working towards the same thing. And that's actually quite exciting. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it is about you that I don't know, maybe attracted you to toxic in the past. And then you were like, you know what? No, like I need health. I need to be healthy. What kind of influenced that shift, but also what influenced that initial interest in that like high, low, here, there relationship? Yeah. I mean, definitely childhood had a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the relationship probably with my dad and all of that, which I don't think we necessarily need to get into here, but probably that. Um, but equally I was in a really long-term, very healthy relationship. And then anyway, that ended. And that's when my cycle of toxic relationships started. And I think somewhere in me, I sort of equated toxic as actually being in control and free because sometimes when you're in these toxic relationships, you're like, I don't even care. Like, what do you think? I'm seeing like six other dudes at the same time. Like it gives you this false um, feeling of being in control for me. That's this, this is just my own personal thing that happened. I felt like I was in control, but actually I was not in control at all. I was a mess and I was just kind of like living in a tornado, but I do think somewhere in me, I sort of felt like that was freedom. Mm. And I always kind of feel like being in a relationship can feel sort of trapping. Um, I've always felt this, um, even since I was like younger, I always kind of felt like a relationship will hold me down and hold me back and actually be an anchor rather than something that's going to, you know, help Help me. Um, yeah, I don't feel that way now, um, in this particular relationship, just because we're quite open about, um, like what each other wants to get out of life, I guess. It's hard to be an individual in a relationship sometimes. Yeah. Um, because you just sort of meld together with your mutual calendar and you go everywhere together and people don't say like, oh, is Estee coming tonight? It's like, oh, is Estee and her man coming tonight? Mm-hmm. You know, it's you become a duo. And 
that's actually quite off brand for me. I'm not a duo. I'm a solo. Yeah. Really? Oh my God. I'm so ultra dependent. Um, But I do resonate with what you said about feeling like a relationship could hold you back as opposed to ground you so that you can blossom. Um, And I'm coming to terms with the idea that no, a relationship will ground you. The relationship will water you and you will grow and you will blossom. Um, But I have always felt like, well, the reason why I haven't been in a relationship up until now is because I'm the kind of person that talk about individuality and you wanting to maintain your individuality. If I am tethered to someone and they're like, we're moving to South Africa, I'm like, we're moving to South Africa. Let's go. Like I (laughs) wouldn't even probably be doing this podcast and be building this female collective if I was in a partnership and my partner was like, I want to do this. I would just go with the flow. Like I am such a sucker for love that I would like move to the ends of the earth with someone. Um, So my question to you is how have you even been able being in, you know, long-term relationships, you're now engaged. How have you been able to preserve your individual identity and this sense of independence? Again, a constant struggle, isn't it? I think I look back on my time when I was single and I lived in my own apartment and it was just me, my music, my incense, my bathtub, my friends, my freedom, eating whatever I wanted at whatever time, waking up when I wanted. God, those were the days. Those were the days. Um, I think everyone should live on their own if they have the opportunity. It's literally amazing. Anyway, when I was living by myself, my time was spent so differently than it is now. So for instance, I would wake up and I would have my cup of tea and I would probably journal with my tarot cards, check in with myself a lot more. That was something I did all the time. Um, I would just spend my downtime very differently. When you actually live with someone, your downtime is their downtime Mm. and you're in the same space and we live in a two-bedroom apartment like it's not very big so it's not even like I have my own space really to kind of like blast Enya and journal if I want to because he's in the kitchen watching football Mm -hmm. you know and it kind of messes with my chi sometimes so I miss having those moments of individuality and my therapist is like well you need to kind of like prioritize that and do that and say, look, on Saturday morning, when I wake up, I'm going to take two hours in the bedroom with the door shut to do my yoga, do my journaling and da, 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 da. Anyways, it just doesn't happen. I just yeah, it sounds great in theory, but like realistically, yeah. like we always make these plans, but they never really happen. I can't imagine. Exactly. And it's not the same. Yeah, exactly. I can't imagine living with someone. I've lived alone since I moved out oh. of my parents' house when I was 18 years old. And my mom has been very adamant about me having this independence. Like, you don't depend on anyone. Like, you got this. You're fine. You, you're not going to move in with a friend. You're not doing that. Like, you are going to continue to raise your standard and you're going to continue to grow. And so she's like, there's no going back. You're not, you don't need to live with anyone. You're an independent. Great. Thanks mom. Um, now I can't imagine living with a partner. I, 
similar to you. There are some days when you just want to have a meltdown. Like I am so expressive and I don't know if you are, but I am so expressive. Like if I want to cry, I want to cry. If I want to just like blast music, I want to blast music and get through whatever it is that I'm going through. But when you are living with someone, you have to become selfless. And I am the most selfish individual ever. Like I put Kim is number one. So how the hell are you kind of managing? Because not only are you now engaged, (laughs) you're also, but you also want a family. And so you're getting to the stage where it can't just be about you anymore. You know what I mean? Like beyond your partner, like you're also going to become a mother one day, hopefully soon, if that's what you want. Um, And then your life becomes just totally different. Kim, my dream has always been to, if I was in a relationship, get married, and he lives across the street. I don't want to live with you. I really like living on my own. And if I could, I would. Trust me, I would. Um, I don't see anything wrong with that. And I think there's actually everything right with that. I think so too. Let, come over for dinner, and I'll actually look forward to seeing you, rather than like, we're just both in our disgusting pajamas all the time. And you know, it's, yeah. I don't like it. I don't, I actually think that we need to relook at the living situation in relationships. But anyways, for right now we're living together and you know what? <sighs> the first six months I thought I was going to die. And that's not an exaggeration. I, we probably broke up like 15 times. Cause I was like, you are gross and you're, stressing me out your presence is annoying because <laughs> I just loved living on my own yeah um anyway now we're kind of in the swing of things and you need to find someone Kim if you do want to find someone but you need someone who has a social life they need to go out they need to play sports they need to go watch sports they need to go I don't know whatever but I have to say my fiance is always out he's super social he plays sports he goes out on the weekends. He's not here tonight. I get the flat to myself. And I honestly think if he was not like that, this would not work. Um, so that's the prerequisite for me is we can live together, but you need to be out most of the time because <laughs> I want to be at home. Yeah. Like you got to be doing your own thing. Oh my God. Yes. Ugh, I'm such a homebody as well. Like just lock Ugh. me in a room and I'll just lock have the best day by in. myself alone. Ugh. The best thing ever. I don't know how people say that they don't know how to spend time alone. I'm like, how do you spend time with people? Yeah. Actually, I don't want to know. <laughs> so let's talk the engagement. Um, the story of your engagement isn't as uncommon as people on the internet will have it seem. I personally have a close friend who, like you, used an ultimatum to take her relationship to the next level. While some people will say cliches like, well, if he wanted to, he would, you completely and deeply challenge that notion. Can you share some of those like valuable insights or lessons that you've gained from making the decision? I have so many thoughts on this. If he wanted to, he would is so annoying. <sighs> so annoying. I get it. You know what? I do get it. If he wanted to, he would. I get it you know, but with this, I think like I needed to assess my own personal situation. We've been together for about two years. I'm 33. He's 34. I knew I wanted kids. 
he wants kids. We talk about it all the time. It's not like I was trying to force this man to marry me when he wasn't even sure if he wanted to be with me. Like he wanted to be with me. I mean, who wouldn't? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, he wanted to be with me. I wanted to be with him. He just didn't really care that much about marriage. And he wasn't against it. He wanted to get married. But I think he just didn't get around to it. Like, he's just slow. He's yeah. Mr. Chill. He he yeah. didn't understand maybe the pressure that I felt around it and how important it was to me to get married. And I know it's not important to everyone and everyone can say that, but it was important to me. And I made that very clear to him from the very beginning. I just knew that if I didn't set an ultimatum, it would be 2029 and I would still be ringless. And that just wasn't really something that I was interested in. So I did set an ultimatum. I was like, listen, bro, you're either going to put a ring on it or you're going to say goodbye to me. You're going to say goodbye to our dog and you're going to say goodbye to this life. So let me know. I think I've always just wanted someone to not be so lazy. First of all, is like, you want to be with me, show me because I show you every single day with every choice I make. And he can say that he did the same thing, but I'm sorry, guys are just different. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted him to show me by putting his money where his mouth was. Mm-hmm. Spend money on it. I want to know you're serious. Mm-hmm. Number two, plan something cute mm-hmm. for once. Mm-hmm. Say some nice words to me and ask me if I'm interested because you're, I'm losing interest. <laughs> and also, I think if I want to have kids with this person, I just want to know that he's willing to do something for me, even though he doesn't see the importance of it for his own sake. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that was a little bit about that. I was fully ready to walk away from this relationship, Mm -hmm. even though this is a happy, healthy, great relationship. I just felt like if he can't see how important this is to me, then I don't want to be with you anyway. And I'll go get a sperm donor and do this myself, which I didn't really carry the way. I was like, just let me know. Cause I, I can do either. We're at a fork in the road. So either you're jumping on the train or you're not just trying to leave the station, just trying to go where I'm trying to go. Anyway, in a way, I think I wish I didn't have to put the pressure on quite honestly. I wish I didn't have to borderline beg to get engaged. It's fucking embarrassing and it's awkward but equally like I am someone who tells people what I want Mm -hmm. so why is this any different I think also online you see so many engagements and they're all like I had no idea exactly you knew everyone talks about getting engaged you all okay nine times out of ten you know if you're going to get engaged or not right and I think it's actually really damaging to put this idea online of like I had no idea he's just the best guy ever and he just proposed out of the blue with the perfect ring that I had nothing to do with it's like I don't know who believes that and I'm not saying it doesn't happen it does but that's not how it happened for me and I just I'm honest about things that go on in my life and I just thought let's just be honest about this too and so many people relate and Also, you have to remember, I was in an eight-year, nine-year relationship, which did not result in a ring. 
I've been in multiple relationships since then, pretty long term, like two years that didn't result in a ring. And I just wasn't going to do it again. Mm -hmm. So you also have to look at like my dating history as well. And I was just sick of offering the wifey package on a girlfriend's salary. Like this is crazy. I'm doing your laundry. Your free trial is done. Your credit card is about to be charged. Like that is what we're talking about right now. So either you want to update the payment or access denied. Like I'm in the grocery store getting your favorite smoked salmon. I don't even eat fish and you can't put a ring on it. Mm-mm. We're not doing that. No, I don't. We're not going to do that anything any wrong. I don't see anything wrong with saying exactly what you want. Like this is the direction that I'm going on. Do you want to join me? Yes or no? And I, you know, I saw somewhere. I wish I had the direct quote. However, I saw somewhere there's this notion that women don't ask men to marry them. But the reality is women plant the seed. Women are the ones that are pushing the conversation. Women are the ones that are saying, you know what? I would like to be married. This is what I want to do. And men oftentimes will fall in line. And I know so many women that have had to, you know, result to an ultimatum. So it's kind of just like, I always think of the concept of too many options, right? When you go to the grocery store and there's like 50 options for jam, it's really hard to make a decision. It's just okay, well, great. I'm going to give you two and you're going to decide, do you want the raspberry jam or do you want the grape jam? You know what I mean? Like, which one do you want? And then you make a decision. And I feel like sometimes with your partner, not even just men in general, sometimes with people, you really do have to narrow down the decision and you're like, all right, either we're doing this or we're not. But this whole lackadaisical approach to a relationship and a timeline um, and the things that I truly want for myself, it just doesn't cut it anymore. So honey, I see absolutely nothing wrong with a damn ultimatum. Like we are here to get what we want by any means. I agree. And exactly like you said, I'm not trying to force anyone to do something they don't want to know, do, but I want to know either way. I want to know if you're in or you're out. Cause if you're out, that's fine, but I don't want to waste any more time here. Mm-hmm. And also a lot of people said like, why didn't you ask him um, in, to marry you instead? And I do understand that there are some people out there that do that. There's some girlies who take the reins and I respect you for that. That was 100% never going to happen on this planet. No. No. Especially because, like you said, most of the time the girlies are steering the ship anyway. That was the one thing that I was like, if you can't get your shit together enough to do this one thing after I do everything else in this relationship, uh, then it's a no. So that's the... Last thing I'd like to say on that, yeah. we probably just pissed off a billion people. It's so but that's my personal totally take. Fine. It's very traditional, my approach to this, by the way. And a lot of people said that, like, it's so old school, it's so traditional. And I guess in a way it is, which I'm not in any other area of my life. I wouldn't consider myself a traditional person at all. But I do think that it's okay to be traditional in this area for yeah. me. It's okay to pick and choose when you want to be traditional, when you'd like to be progressive. Like this is your life. And if you want your partner, your man, whomever to get down on a knee and propose to you, then that is what you want. And if they're willing to do it, then great. That's how we got married. Let's keep it moving. Exactly. And you know what? 
he is so happy now. And he has said so often that he can't believe he was dragging his feet. He doesn't know what he was waiting for, that he feels so good. We were just at dinner with our friends last night and he was saying how amazing it feels to be engaged. Like he's low key, the bride, like he is buzzing for this <laughs> engagement. It. It's like, thank God. He's so into it. It's like, thank God know, she made me make I a decision. Know, I'm know. here for it. I know. Thank God for her. Seriously. <laughs> so we talked a lot about the fears and uncertainty as you look into your future, but what are some things that bring you peace? Silence. Literally silence. Walking my dog in the forest. Silence. I like reading my Kindle. That brings me peace. I love the beach. I love the sun, which is why it's like, why do I live in the UK? It's so rainy and our beaches suck here. Um, I, yeah, they really do. Um, I love connection. That brings me peace. So if I like have a conversation like this, for instance, where I'm like, wow, that person really got me. Not necessarily that they agreed with everything I said, but just that they heard me. We had, they heard me. That brings me peace. It makes me feel less alone in this big, scary world. Um, a clean house makes me feel very at peace. Um, what about you? What brings you peace? What brings me peace? You know what? I am constantly on edge. I am just an anxious person. I'm always on edge. I will say what brings me peace is probably the doing of things. Like doing things bring me peace. When you're like past the fear of starting, past the procrastination, like even when I was prepping this episode and like writing the questions and getting into our initial conversation, I'm like, what kind of questions do I want to ask her? What do I want to learn about Estee? That brought me peace. Talking to my friends and talking about my problems and trying to solve things, that brings me peace. I am such an on-edge person and and pretty type A. (laughs) So what brings me peace is solving my problems. (laughs) However, (laughs) I hope one day, I hope one day, you know, obviously like traveling and vacationing and laying under the sun and things like that and meeting people, but like meeting people in a space where you're not trying to network with them. You're not trying to gain anything out of them. Like that brings me peace. Talking to strangers brings me peace. Just like I, I call it flirting with life. I flirt with everyone. That brings me peace. I love that. Yeah. Flirting with life. That is so good. Yeah. I love that. I can't flirt with other guys anymore, so I better start flirting, flirting with, with life. <laughs> I mean, like you flirt with your doorman or you flirt with the server and you flirt with the woman next to you. You know what I mean? That like her hair looks incredible. Like just like flirt with life. And I feel like You're right. just like all the positive energy comes back to you because everyone is so just serious all the time. And it's like, giggle a little, shoot a compliment, like say something funny with, you know, a stranger. It doesn't have to be serious all the time. So that. I know. Isn't it the worst though, when you're trying to flirt with life and life does not flirt back? Oh, that is the worst. I am in that right now, like so bad. And I'm like, girl, you are going to have to figure out how to egg sit stage left because I'm like trying flirt harder and I'm like I need to go flirt over there this is not my crowd they are not <laughs> laughing at my jokes <laughs> as we reach the bottom of the deep end Estee I have one final question in life we often find ourselves holding on 
What in your life do you feel the need to forgive or release? Mm, That's a really good one. I can hold on to a lot and I actually feel like I hold on to a lot of emotion in my body, um, which is why I love getting massages and I love stretching and I love yoga because I just feel like I hold on to so much. I think I just need to let go of perfection a little bit. Oh, Like right now, my office is so messy. It's killing me inside when it's like, does that really matter? Not really. But it, it eats me up inside. Um, so I think I could definitely let go of that feeling we were talking about of not doing enough, not being enough, not checking in enough. You know, it's this person's birthday, didn't get them a card, like just let go of all that stuff that really doesn't matter. Um, even though that's so hard, but I feel like it's a practice. I think I could probably let go of some of that. I think I could forgive myself a little bit for maybe not being able to be as close physically to my family as maybe I would like. I think I need to sort of just accept that more and know that they love me and I love them, that this is just the way my life's kind of turned out. I think I could kind of forgive myself for choosing a life that um, didn't involve being near my family, I guess. Mm. Wow. That's profound. What a therapy sesh. I know, right? (laughs) Do you feel lighter? (laughs) Yeah, I actually feel more at peace with myself. And I feel like I can kind of spend my evening reflecting on the things we spoke about and maybe I'll get my tarot cards out tonight. It's been so long since I did that. I love tarot and I can just maybe accept the place that I'm at and be excited about the place that I'm at rather than thinking, Oh, what if this and I didn't do that Mm -hmm. and just maybe try to sit with that tonight. So I've got Plenty to be processing tonight, Oh, good. Before we say our goodbyes, we have a tradition on Rich Little Broke Girls. It's a moment where our guests share their undisputed certified tip for the girls. So, Estee, this can be about anything, but if you had one piece of wisdom to impart to us, what would it be? My piece of wisdom that I would like to share is that you know more than you think you do, and you don't always need to look to someone else to help you make decisions or guide you. If you look within, the answers are usually there and you can apply that to anything like an emotional situation, a work situation. No one knows what they're doing. Okay. So your opinion and your feelings are just as valid as anybody else's. And of course it's okay and great to get advice, but ultimately Listen to yourself, I'd say. Oh, I needed to hear that. (laughs) I'm always like, help, 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 help when I need to just sit with myself and help myself out a little bit. It's like, how do I truly feel? It's so hard to find that voice though, especially when there's so much noise going on and you're so busy and you're so tired. We're so out of touch with what our souls want. Mm -hmm. Like I am. I try to be you know, 
in tune, but it's not always easy. So I need to do more to kind of stay in touch with myself. So I'll, I'll take my own advice on that one too. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Estee. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you beyond the surface. I'm so honored. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the Rich Little Broke Girls podcast. If you haven't already, please join the Rich Little Broke Girls Collective because we host social events globally and we're planning a Take Care Wine Night in New York on January 17th. So stay tuned for the official invite. I hope this conversation left you feeling inspired to do some shadow work. And please let me know who you'd like to take a dip in the deep end next. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. If you didn't like this episode, I don't really care. Just share it with your friends. And if you really like this episode, share it with your friends. For all those things, subscribe and take 20 seconds to leave a five-star review and say the nicest thing you could ever say about me. It really helps the girls discover our show. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at richlittlebrokegirls and submit your juiciest confessions and questions at richlittlebrokegirls.com backslash confess. I'll be back next week to answer them live on the podcast. Until then, I'll see you all so soon.